0: Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable: Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Uh, With that said, we turn to 1 Peter this morning. That's where we're going to be. We've been in a series, and I want to say um, i'm seeing a lot of new faces, some that maybe haven't been here since quarantine It's so great to see you all uh, I'm, I'm assuming you've been joining us online, whether facebook uh, facebook live during nine thirty hour or maybe you've just been uh, listening to the podcast if you haven't or you want to catch up because we've been kind of going through first Peter the beginning chapters and if you want to build some um, kind of momentum and and each week we're building on the chapter. So if you want to catch up, we do have a um, uh, podcast for our campus and any of the places you find podcasts Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Just go there, look up Woodside Lake Orion, you'll find it there. Um, we'd love for you to catch up on previous messages or you can go to our Facebook page. They're all there as well. Um, but we've been building in this series called Unshakable, Steadfast, Hope, and Unpredictable World, which is today. And uh, Peter is writing to a group of people scattered, they call the dispersion, all over the place, and uh, they are uh, being written to, to encourage them to live out their faith, to endure as they're suffering persecution, and they're struggling in that season, and he's writing them to tell them how to live with one another, but also to how to live in the world around them. And as I was preparing for this message, it made me think of sports. Any sports fans here? Absolutely, we love sports. It was, uh, it was one thing we went without during all the quarantine stuff. We were watching old games. It's so great to be able to watch sports again, watch my kids play sports. Um, today we're going to be off to a number of games. It's so great just to watch them. I don't know about you, but as you're watching sports, sometimes it's great because you kind of really get into the sport. And there's this amazing thing that happens in the drama of competition, there's intensity between athletes, there's the joys of winning, which you don't experience too much in Detroit these days, but, and then there's like the epic, like, almost like pain, which it is, of losing. And If you play sports, you know that all too well. And many times, as we're watching uh, sports, we feel as though we're part of the action. Whether we're sitting watching our television, or if you've ever been to a stadium, you're screaming and yelling as if you're almost on the field. And I don't know if you've ever gotten there. Maybe you're just a diehard fan. Like every Sunday when the Lions play, you're screaming at the television because you feel as though you're a part of the action, or whatever it may be, um, man. My, my wife Sarah and I, our daughters, play uh, travel soccer, and so they have. We're going to three games today, and, and they're, as they're playing, it's interesting to watch because you see this even in parents. As the kids are out there playing, there are some parents, some on our team maybe, and others that are literally yelling, "Run!" Like and all seriousness, "Faster!" And you look down and you're like, I know you cannot do what you're telling them to do. <laughs> and I've learned the hard way. I don't do that anymore because I'm a pastor. And, uh, <laughs> but no, because I, in the beginning, I would encourage my kids. And my, my, I think it was my middle one. Literally looked at me, dad was like, dad, you couldn't do that. You're asking me to do what you can't do. And I'm like, oh, fair play. Uh, I won't yell at you anymore. Um, but it's interesting. It's almost as if. The parents on the sidelines are experiencing the joys of winning and the failures of losing, and they're a part of the drama on the field. But really, let's just be honest, they're not. They're not, and that's the truth. It's crazy that even as you watch the Lions or your favorite sports team, Michigan, Michigan State, out of state, whatever it may be, as you watch your team, baseball, hockey, whatever it is, the truth of the matter is at the end of the day, you're not in the game. You're a spectator. You're just watching the action, the skill, the sacrifice, the effort that is on the field, that's taking place out there on the field. You're just watching. No. You're just watching. And here, the reason why I say that is that tragically, I share all that, when we're looking at what today is, church can often be viewed in the same way as a spectator sport. Standing on the sidelines, maybe yelling, this is how it should be! But a spectator sport, as if I can just press on all of us here a little bit, myself included, as many times I have to wrestle and chew on this before I spit it out, no better term, sorry, uh, to all of you, is that oftentimes churches look at as a spectator sport, people show up to be served, to get their needs met, And then many times believers in Jesus leave and go home and they're not embracing who they are in Christ or what Christ has called them to do day in and day out. And in the season we're living in right now, man, when I'm at soccer with my kids, I see two types of parents most of the time. There's a halfway in between sometimes, but there's the the parent that is yelling with everything or the parent that doesn't even look like they want to be there. They're just sitting, they have no emotion, they don't even clap when their kid scores or does something good, they're just there. And many times, if there are Christians that are standing in the sidelines, they're often that way. They're yelling, I'm really vocal, this is the way it should be. Or I'm just completely silent. I slip into church in the back, I leave, I go home. Really, I'm not sure how my faith plays on every single day or not. But man, I'm here to tell you today that you're, you're more than that. God has called you to more than that. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's an all involved as we're going to see today. And so we're going to be transitioning. We've been walking through 1 Peter. We saw, man, how we are called to live with one another last week as we're talking about loving one another. And by this, you will know, the world will know that you are my disciples. So he talks about how to live well with one another. Now he's going to tell us how to minister together as we go out and recognize what God has placed on all of us to be ministers of the gospel, priests, Building up the house of God. So if you look with me, Pastor Alex already read it. The first couple of verses, verse 4 in 1 Peter chapter 2, says this. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So he, he acknowledges Jesus is a living stone, but he's rejected by men, but precious in the sight of God. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So just two quick things this morning. The first one is to recognize your place in the house of God. Recognize your place in the house of God. Real quickly, in these verses, the physical house of God is no more. The structure of the temple is no longer necessary according to this and many other passages in Scripture. During the Old Testament, everything centered around early New Testament centered around the, the temple and the rituals they had there. Man, they would have animal sacrifices and burnt offerings and pilgrimages that they would go to Jerusalem to go to the temple and they would go there to worship God because that's where God dwelled. Now, with the coming of Christ, I mean, if you want some fun sometime, Read the the book of Hebrews and contrast it to everything that's said in Leviticus and how Christ fulfilled all of it. Christ fulfilled a a one-time sacrifice for all. Christ is now the temple. Christ is now the great high priest. And all of it is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So there's no longer a need for a physical temple anymore. Now God has birthed a new people, a new covenant, and it is the church. And he calls us something here. We're called the people of God, the body of Christ, and other places. Here he refers to us to as this this spiritual temple or spiritual house, and he calls Christ a living stone, which we'll come to back to in a while but he's getting this picture is that Christ, as he's called in other places, the chief cornerstone, that if you built a house and you want it to be square and secure, he's the foundation squaring of the corner that everything else is built from there. And he's a living stone Christ. And then from there, he says, we are living stones being built up by Christ into this spiritual temple. Can I tell you, Whoever you are here today, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, everyone who is in Christ has a part of this, that you are a a stone, a living stone being built up on Christ into a spiritual house. This is good news for us. This is good news because everyone I'm looking at today, if you know Christ, you have a place in the house of God. You have a place. There is no place in in any spiritual house of God where you are not a part of. God's uniquely gifted and placed you that he's building this spiritual temple, this spiritual house, and you're a part of it. It's awesome. It's amazing, right? But he goes further than that. He says that we are a priesthood. You yourselves are living stones, he says in verse five, to be a holy priesthood. Now, We are a priesthood that's actually supposed to carry out ministry of the temple. You know, before Christ, before Christ came, there were priests that worked in the temple, and they carried out the ministry of the temple. They would offer sacrifice. They would do all the stuff in the temple because that was God's house. The amazing picture is we are now the temple of God, and we are the house of God being built up together through Christ. And because of that, not only we are also this holy priesthood that God is calling us to make sacrifices for him. No longer these other people, but now us. And this is something that God's been thinking about from the very beginning. This isn't like somewhere along the lines, God was like, you know what? I think this would be a good idea. No, God is so sovereign. He he quotes, Peter quotes in verses six and seven, Isaiah 28, when he says, this is God's plan all along. He says, for it stands in Scripture. So he's like, I'm about to quote. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever, so man, whoever you are here today, I told everybody on Facebook Live this morning, whoever they are watching, there's no hindrance to coming to Christ. Whoever, whoever believes in him, Christ, this stone, will not be put to shame. So the honor... Is for you who believe. You see, Peter's saying, like, this is this is God's house he's building up, and it's been a plan, the plan the whole time. And now here I'm building up this house, and it's your honor to for those who believe to be a priesthood that gets to minister. No, so here's the deal. This is why for me I'm making such a big deal of this. You're like Jim. This is, I've heard that my whole life. Chill. I get it. This is why it's so important. The reason why it's so important for me is. There is not, and I want want to say this twice, there is not a special class of believers who are part of the temple, who get to serve as priests. All get to, he says, you who believe have this honor. Any and all who believe have this honor. You get to be a part of God's house. You get to be a part of God's ministry. There's no like, hey, you're born a Levite, now you get to be a priest and you get to do all the special work. Now, you are born into the people of God. You're born into the family of God through Christ, and now each one of us gets to do the work of ministry. Each one of us gets to do the work of a priest. There's no spectator sport. Christianity is not a coming and dwelling and watching and receiving. No, Christianity is an all-hands-on-deck ministering of the Spirit of God as a, as a holy priesthood sent out for the mission of God. And we're a temple, like a spiritual house that is being built up one stone at a, ta- a time. And it's not because he didn't be like, look down and be like, yeah. You know, so-and-so, man, they got a lot of skill. We should get them in. Jim, he could talk halfway decent. We need him. Hey, Ryan can sing. This person could do that. They got some good skills over here. Like, so we need those people in the house. No, none of that. It's not any merit of our own. It's because Christ, the chief cornerstone, we're all being built up. That's why. And he's building this amazing spiritual house. Man, again, I feel like I'm using a lot of sports illustrations today, but... I don't know if you remember back in 2016, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they won their championship. LeBron James finally brought it back to his hometown, as he said he was always going to do. If you're a fan of anything in Ohio, please leave. Now, uh, (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. We're all one in Christ. Um, It's all good. But I remember that day, and I remember reading a story Because, right, it was fine, it was all good and well, like LeBron finally brings home a championship, that's great. And when you win a championship, you get a ring, a championship ring. And these things are no joke. They're huge, they got diamonds all over them, they're fantastic, right? And so all of the team members got one of these rings, right? And maybe some executives and some other people, but, you know, not everybody gets one. The team that won got them. I don't know if you ever read about it, but it was a fascinating story, That was normal. Dan Gilbert, the owner who owns most of Detroit as well now, he actually bought all the team the rings they were supposed to get them. But additionally, he bought another 1,000-plus rings. They're not cheap. Same ones that the players got. He bought another 1,000. It's crazy. And he gave them to every person, every employee of the Cavalier franchise, security guards, hot dog vendors, ticket takers, janitorial staff, whoever they were, they got a ring. Isn't that fascinating? It was amazing. Why? Because he understood something, that you are a part of the team. The guys on the, on the, on the, um, the court maybe did all that, but they wouldn't be able to do it without everyone else. And it's an all for one and one for all. You're all part of this team, and it's not a spectator sport. And I tell you, that's exactly what I'm talking about here. It's not as though pastors or professional Christian workers are the one who do the working of the ministry. No, it's actually false. It's the priesthood of the believer that we're called to actually do everything actually. And our job as like pastor is supposed to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So, man, you're equipped, fully equipped, same as me, to lead your neighbor to Christ. You're fully equipped to shepherd someone and grow them up to become more like Jesus. You're fully equipped because you're equipped with the Spirit of God in you. And man, when you look at this passage, it's amazing, but I just I I know that someone's probably asking, because I ask myself when I look at this, what does it mean to be a priest for God? Like next week, everybody's going to show up with a robe, some people have cool hats, it'll be great. What does a priest for God look like? Well, it's amazing when you look at the text, it says in verse 5, you yourselves, living stones, are being built up by a spiritual house, right, to be, holy, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So our purpose, our role, is each as a priest of the house of God to offer spiritual sacrifices. Isn't that so helpful? <laughs> now people are like, okay, second question. What are spiritual sacrifices? Um, seems a little vague there, Jim. I'd like a little more detail, right? So you look at this, and it's an important question. What are these spiritual sacrifices that we're called to make? Now, Peter doesn't flesh this all out in the immediate text. But he just spoke at length about a lot of different stuff. Live holy as the Lord is holy. Love one another. Like all these things that he has been talking about, we can quickly apply them to spiritual sacrifices that we're called to live. But I think I would go even further to say everything we do as followers of Jesus Everything we do by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus would be spiritual sacrifices. Every bit of obedience we do in, in shepherding our children, every bit of obedience we do in our marriage and loving one another sacrificial, every bit of obedience of waking up early, though it's hard to spend time with the Lord, every bit of obedience is a spiritual sacrifice. It, it's, it's amazing. Um, a guy that Peter would have known well wrote very something very similar In Romans chapter 12, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, for 11 chapters, I've told you this before, the Apostle Paul is literally just venting, telling everybody the most amazing book, maybe in all of Scripture, to tell you what you have in Christ Jesus. 11 chapters. He didn't write it with chapters, but we put the chapters there. But he wrote for 11 of our chapters. Transition in chapter 1, he says this, I appeal to you, therefore. Therefore what? Therefore I wrote to you for 11 chapters on what you have in Christ. He says, by the mercies of God, like everything I just told you about. He says this, to present your bodies as a living what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. A living sacrifice. They'd wake up every single day and be like, man, my body, who I am, all that I have is now a sacrifice to the Lord and I lay it down to you today. So my pride and arrogance, God, I lay it down. My wanting my own way, I lay it down. What you've called me to do today and I don't wanna do it, I lay it down. Because he says, holy and acceptable to God. We don't even have time to get all the nuances there. They couldn't give the, the, the limping lamb. They have to give the very best they had to the Lord as an act of worship, it says, right? Because he finishes, he says, which is your spiritual worship? Man, as the priesthood of believers, right, we're called to live out the house of God and to literally do spiritual acts of worship in everyday life. And we're called to live in such a way that we're not standing on the sideline, but we're getting into the action of fulfilling the mission of what God calls us to in the world. We're offering our lives, we're offering every part of who we are. Our time, our talents, our resources, our relationships, our minds, our bodies, and everything else belongs to him. Is that the way you think about your relationship with God? And I just ask real quick because I'm running out of time. Like what parts are you holding back in your life? As a stone a spiritual stone that is being built up and you are a part of the house of God, which part of your life are you not willing to sacrifice to him? What area of your life are you not willing to allow the spirit to have his way in? Is it your family? Like, it's okay, Jim. Like, I think God understands. Is it your marriage? Is it the way you represent Christ in the workplace? Is it your constant striving to have more, do more? that you don't have time to be with the Lord. And God, you understand, because you know what? I don't spend a lot of time with you, but I make a lot of money, and I give generously to the church, so I think you'd be okay with it, God. But what what area of your life, because I have to do this, before I can ever share this with you, I have to literally do it with my own soul. Like, what areas of my life am I not willing to submit to the Spirit of God as a sacrifice, as a minister? Because you know what's amazing? is back when there was priests, they were the intercessory between God and man. They were the mediator between God and man. What's amazing is Christ came as the great high priest. Now he's my mediator between me and God. But what's amazing is he's empowered us as little priests to go on into the world. And now you represent God in all the places you are. And now you get to mediate between God and man. So you live in such a way in your workplace, in your home, In your neighborhood in your family so your kids don't one day walk away from the Lord that you might mediate between God and man can I just tell you church recognize recognize your place in the house of God you are a priest and you have a noble calling to fulfill the mission of God in the world with all of your life what part is not in that journey only you know that then uh Second, if you look at verses 7 and 8. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. The second thing is don't stumble over the word of God. Don't stumble over the word of God. Peter here is quoting uh, Psalms in 1 18, 22 and isaiah 18 14 we don't have time to get into every nuance of this and he's quoting this here's the big reason he's quoting this to show that the stone the cornerstone of god's covenant people is also the stone of stumbling that was told about in the old testament that people would stumble over mostly the pharisees and the jewish people who de- declined jesus to be the messiah but what's amazing is is that not everybody was like that. Many people accepted Christ. You are here today because you hopefully have accepted Christ as the Messiah, as your Savior. And there's this great comparison in the text, right? I mean, it's great comparison that he's making that some people see Jesus as chosen and precious. He's being built up. There. They're a part of the spiritual house, receiving honor. They're a holy priesthood with Christ, but some people reject him. I mean, some people stumble over him. Some people take offense at him. Can I just encourage you in the world you're living in? People aren't going to like Jesus. Like, go out knowing that some people are going to stumble over him. They've been stumbling over him for a long time. And they're going to continue to do so. It's this this transition, or excuse me, this comparison, right? I think about it this way. Um, Sarah and I have been moving over the last while, and um, we've been, like, just getting rid of all of our stuff and trying to, like, downsize from our house and move and put things in storage and all that kind of stuff. And man, we've been going through so much stuff and I, I'm, I'm, I've learned something amazing. You can sell pretty much anything on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> Literally, I'll be like two seconds from throwing it in the trash because I'm just over it and we got to move and we can't do this anymore. I'm like, eh, someone might buy this. I put it online. I'm like, sweet mercy. like <laughs> They're going to pay me that much money for this? Sounds good. All right, I'll meet you at this time right what, the, the, what's the, the saying um, one man's trash is another man's treasure This should be the slogan of Facebook marketplace. <laughs> like seriously, it's amazing what you see as worthless and someone else sees as wonderful. Can I tell you that's exactly what we do here in this space what you're living every single day, what you see as wonderful and to be worshiped in Christ, many people you're going to interact with every single day in the world see him as worthless, a stumbling block, an offense, something that is offensive to them, that is wrong, right? I mean, and, and let's just be honest, there's, there's a number of things that people struggle with what Jesus said. Some people respond in repentant faith, and other people uh, take an offense and run the other direction. I mean, man, many people are offended when Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, and only to the, the only way to the Father, Sounds like, man, that's pretty exclusive. But it's true. Many are repulsed and says that, man, Jesus insists that you must be born again. And this seems super drastic. Many are offended or repulsed that insists, uh, man, that Jesus says that you have to repent. You have to come to the cross. You have to deny yourself and take up your cross and live for him every day. A lot of people are put off just for the fact that they're told that they are lost, guilty, broken, and in need of a Savior, and in need of someone to take their place and wash over them, or else one day they will experience the judgment of God. They're like, "Now I'm not that bad of a person. I can make myself better. And they're offended by these things. The living stone is now the stumbling block and the rock of offense that he's talking about here. I mean, before we go any further, can I just tell you that as we are priests in the world doing spiritual acts of worship, can I just ask that our church, the only thing that offends people in your life would be the gospel. The gospel is offensive as it is. May the only thing in our lives as we live with our neighbors and our networks and the people that we're sharing truth with and we're standing up for truth and all that kind of stuff, may the only thing in your life or should be in your life that is offensive to them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're unashamed about that. But may everything else in our lives not be offensive at the sake of the gospel. Because here's the deal. This is who Christ is. And many times we have to come, we always have to come, excuse me, humbly, understanding who we are before the Lord. And it's not easy, but it is good and it's what we need because it's true, because I am broken, I am lost, I am in need. And Jesus is my true substitute. He is the only way, the truth, and the Father, only way, truth, and life. He's the only way to the Father. And I have to accept that. I can't stumble over the Word of God. And if you're here today, again, I say this all the time I'm not worried about how much you come to church. I'm not worried about how much you've given to church. I don't know how much time you've given to the least of these. But at the end of the day, if your faith is not in Christ, you have stumbled over this Word. And Christ has become an offense to you. What we want to see rather than that is what we see in the whole text is our big idea is to build our lives on the cornerstone of Christ. He is chosen and precious and we as the church are being built up into a spiritual household. It is an amazing honor as the text says because we have a purpose and a mission as the priesthood of God to go out into the world. So I ask you, have you recognized your place in the house of God? What places of your life are causing you to stand on the sidelines and be like, (laughs) keep doing it, you're doing good? But where's God said, step in, move to action. Being a follower of Jesus is not a spectator sport. God did not create you, rescue you, and redeem you to watch us live on Facebook and then go do whatever you want for the rest of your week. Or come into this room, sit down, watch me preach, hear me, and someone else share some songs, and then go about your day, and it doesn't impact your life in any way. No, he calls us to something much greater than that. You are a priest in the household of God called to change the world. That's who you are. And it encompasses every part of my life. So what part of your life is it not encompassing? What part of your life needs to be laid down at the feet of the Lord as a sacrifice to say, you know what? Lord, I, I understand. I get it. And I need to try again. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.